0: Salam, salam, aloha, darlings. This is your girl, Liz, and I'm holding it down here at Fashion Lab Radio. This is the show that dissects the business behind fashion in Africa and beyond. And, you know, I will be hosting the show like I normally do. Thank you for tuning in. And, uh, yes, today we are talking. We are right back by fashion demand, and we are talking economic robbery because we can. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why, because I promise you, it. because we can, we're just going to have to unpack this. It's a very big fat topic and i think that the reason it's big the reason that it touches on our lives here on our economic um, development on everything i think it's uh, it's the day to do this so according to a very important article i came across on weforum.org um, around uh, a powerful and corrupt elite that's actually robbing africa off of its riches uh, this guy actually unpacks a bit about tax abuse, which is obviously uh, really having a negative impact on our global community. Uh, I think especially for Africa, uh, our continent is definitely blessed with uh, vast arable land. Uh, we've got some amazing natural resources. Uh, our continent is filled with families who on the flip side go to bed hungry, ill and vulnerable people who sort of die and and, and they die of preventable end. Unpreventable diseases you know you've got children who would love to be in school but parents can't afford school fees you know um i love this conversation and this article because they also opens up i mean why don't all those people who have essential things uh, many in the north have, why don't they do anything about it? You know, think about the governments that are meant to watch over the people, put their interests first. Um, You think about the fact that they need to deliver these um, services, but they're actually comfortably sleeping in their big, fat beds. <laughs> you know? Seriously. So it is... Um, Uh, an important topic it's also a a, a very unfortunate um, you know the reason we are talking about this is because it actually happens Um, you also think about what's so damaging for Africa now one in 12 African children die before their fifth birthday 34 million children are deprived of primary school education Africa has the world's lowest secondary school enrollment rates can you imagine that you're talking 40 million young people out of work in our continent this rich continent Uh, You think about it, I think it's a tough time to be a young African, but I also think that it is a a great time to take over. And I think that that's where our mindsets need to be. We need to figure out how to take over because we can. Um, I think that this conversation um, is important. Uh, I'm going to be unpacking a bit more about it. Um, And like I said, there's so many different angles um, to unpack on this and I think for me what I want to do is touch on three key angles today we're going to touch on Carnival's costume uh, production that's sort of been taken over to China because when I talk about Carnival and yes uh, I just got back from Brazil and uh, the reason I'm talking about it because last week when we spoke or tried to unpack a bit about this conversation we realized that you know the regions who are so um, popular for creating and crafting all of these Carnival costumes have gone into you know, they're low in their lowest moments because there's nothing to do because China has taken over 80% of that. Um, we think about other big carnival um, bases like uh, Trini and Tobago as well, who are also dealing with the same thing. It's not just Brazil. And um, I think that that's the reason I want to talk about it. And for for me, I also want to talk about it because it is it touches on fashion. Carnival is fashion, whether we like it or not. Uh, the second thing I will be touching on and will be unpacking a bit on also is around African clothing, textile, Uh, and accessory industry in general and how it's also been taken over. And I remember when I was growing up, like I remember in the 80s um, when I was in Kenya before I left, um, I would see the women, there's something we call Kyondo, which is a traditional basket that's woven. It's a beautiful traditional basket. You find it everywhere. Well, these days you find it everywhere, but it's not really locally made. But you would find that everywhere. You'd see every other woman on the corner of the street making that kyondo. It's like Masai's and their beadwork. Masai's have not been um, taken over, but the the Kiondo and a couple of other sc- crafts have definitely, I can see that. Like today I look at this and I say, I look at 20 years back and I'm like surprised because I'm like, where are the Kiondos? We have something similar, but that's China. So I feel like the African clothing and textile accessory industry is something we have to unpack. What is the impact of what's happening? And yes, some people look at China as a threat. Some people look at it as, a, as some value, a big value add, but this is where we're going to have this conversation and you can decide how you feel about it. The third point we're going to unpack on this show today is all around IP and cultural appropriation because this, I feel, really ties heavy uh, on this topic around economic robbery. I know we've had this conversation several times uh, on this radio platform, but because it's so relevant and it touches on different topics, we're going to have to touch on that again before getting into deep um on today's show allow me to also introduce our contributors who sort of bring this show to life uh we've got uh, our contributor and partner edgy benson who runs anyway new york welcome to the show edgy
1: hi liz hi
0: Good hi you how tonight. you doing how was
1: Bra- <laughs> i was brazil though
0: boy I don't know if you have time and the audience has time why don't we focus on economic robbery then i'll really break down brazil but brazil was beautiful (laughs) the energy the vibrance it was just amazing we're going back i'll tell you how (laughs) but who are you wearing and who made your clothes at least tell me that
1: today i am wearing i'm still celebrating my brand i'm still celebrating city yes i'm wearing city junk jeans and a pair of Bali Chelsea shoes that I love a lot. And who made this stuff? Not sure. I'm wearing a black polo shirt. A, a linen knits polo shirt. I shouldn't be wearing linen today because it's so cold. But here I am. <laughs>
0: well, as long as your t-shirt doesn't cost $2, you're fine. Okay? But welcome to the show and thank you for joining us, Edgy. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, our other... Uh, a new edition. I, I'm not going to stop calling her new. I think after two, is it, when do people get st- stop getting new? Is it two weeks or three, three weeks? Okay. Stair, Stair says three weeks, so let's just give her the new again today. <laughs> She's still new. <laughs> We've got Bali Entle. Did I get that right? Yes. yes. Uh, also joining us on the show, uh, she'll be bringing in, she brings in that fashion alert. She held the show down last week while I was away. And yes, we want to hear what's happening from a world news perspective. So welcome to the show, mad- madame welcome back Liz thank you for joining us now who are you wearing and who made your clothes you look very fluffy and warm and nice Edgy I promise you in Africa right now it feels like we're in New York because it's normally the hottest part of the year but we're actually in boots and a coats and
2: fluffy I'll
0: send you a picture of a fluffy top
2: who are you you wearing I am wearing like a woolen top basically from uh, Cotton on. I look like a sheep. A yeah, sheep. she
0: does look like a little sheep. Yeah, but a cute
2: one.
1: <laughs> a beautiful sheep.
2: A cute one. Look like a cute little sheep, and I'm just wearing some um, uh black jeans. That's all. Mm. Yeah.
0: Is anyone gonna ever ask me on this show who I'm wearing? Liz. I was
1: just going to do that, Lee. But you know what? Who are you Bab, wearing? What why don't you Why don't you ask
2: her since you're up close? Then. She what? looks stunning. just oh. by the way. Oh, I'm flattered. <laughs> ask, Thank you.
1: I am so ask flattered. Her anyway.
2: Okay, ask me, Liz. <laughs> who are, are you wearing?
0: <laughs> All right. Today I'm wearing a simple recycled or upcycled jacket. I don't like black jackets. So what I do is when I buy black jackets, I always work on doing some sort of patch work and really bring it to life and vibrance. Uh, I'm wearing a beautiful pair of jeans. I got this jeans for about $20. Uh, It has no label, but I know it was not. It's not the $2 ones, trust me guys. Somebody who made this put a lot of effort in it and it's got like sparkling stars on the on the on the jeans and 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 sparkle and sh- shiny stuff you know like the sick one and and just bling and i feel very blinged out so i felt like this is where i stop and i've got simple boots on it's cold in joburg and hey i'm just obeying the weather and, and just being simple and easy so that's how we hold it down today
1: For well th- so long as that jeans got you in it it's golden
0: ah! <laughs> <laughs> ooh la 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 So those who are tuned in, we also have uh, another uh, segment on the show. It's called our Wine Style Guide. This is where we touch base uh, with everything stylish about wine and style, which go hand in hand. And lastly, just a quick reminder is for you to look out for my favorite segment at the end of the show called Who Would You Want to (laughs) Dress? And you're free. You should feel free to enjoy with us. You know, that's our cup of, uh, not our cup of coffee. Well, some people's cup of coffee, Mike, glass of wine. But it's a really uh, cool, last, easy to unwind uh, sort of segment. Keep your tweets coming. We're on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter and Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram and Facebook. And we definitely want to hear from you. You are getting ready to plug into what we call the Fashion Alert. It's brought to you by Mbali Entle. Welcome to The fashion alert. Madam, welcome and roll us over towards Wagwanin. Wagwanin, the center of
2: fashion, you know. So hi again, Fabsters. I'm Balentle. Welcome to Fashion Alerts, where I give you all the amazing, awesome international fashion news. So this week, we're just in South Africa as we are. It's very cold, but there's some hot news happening there. (laughs) And then we're moving straight to America, New York City. So let's go. So South Africa is doing great things. We recently had our first ever plus size, completely plus size male fashion show. This fashion show was done by the designer Jade Campbell. It took place in V&A Waterfront, Cape Town, in a hotel called the Radisson Red. Oh wow! It happened just here, right now. Yes, just in South Africa, in Cape Town, and it's a completely male plus-size fashion show. So this has actually never been done. It's new. It took. it, It changed what the catwalk usually looks like, which is very fit, muscular, buff ripped men. So these plus size models took to the catwalk and they strutted their stuff and basically Jade who's the designer of this clothing range said that men also want trendy, stylish clothing. Especially plus size men. They don't want to buy a bigger size. They actually want to wear the clothes that were designed for them and to fit them properly. So that's exactly what he did. They took part in the show and the garments look amazing and these plus size men changed the game. The name of the fashion show was actually hashtag Tech plus is equal and that's the name of the event and the show so we're super proud of jade and these plus size men
0: I, it's so funny i never thought men would be called plus size i don't know why does it sound like women are more plus size yeah mm. so i just thought men are just called the big men if you're big yeah. or fat yeah and then women more of plus size because women are more delicate and they're more sensitive about it. no
2: <laughs>
1: Oh, nice. Six is plus size. Okay. Yeah, you said yeah.
2: Plus size. Okay. Okay. So that's exactly (laughs) what they did. So well done to them. And um, then I did say that I would be taking you to New York City. So New York City is also pioneering and making changes in their own way. There's a new shop. There's a new store. Uh, It was founded by Rob Smith. The name of the shop is actually the Fluid Project. Fluid in the sense that it's a gender-free store. So what that means is You walk in there The mannequins You can't tell If they're male mm-hmm. or female the, the clothing There's no department Men's wear Female wear Or Plus women's Plus size wear. Child, child size, size Boys, girls It's, it's just, just a fluid. shop With clothes <laughs> it's fluid. Basically that's what Rob Smith said He said I founded the shop On the basis that People don't want To be branded There's a Right now Generation Z Generation X And millennials They all know somebody Who doesn't want to Conform to being called a him or a her or a his or hers They just want to be a person They want to be referred to as they So he said that he feels like the fashion industry Needs to catch up They need to know that people want to be gender neutral They don't want to be bounded by This whole stereotype of male, female So that's what he did He started shop, it's available It's open and if you walk in there it's You're at home, you can wear whatever you want If you're a man, you can wear a skirt If you're a woman, you can wear a top It's all gender free i don't know liz what do you think about that i love it i love, I it, love it. it i love it i, I really love
0: it, it. I, I love it because then it means whatever you find in there you can find it you know how like when you go into a place and they say who is it for don't worry who it's am just <laughs> just leave me okay let me just, just let me find, find what i like <laughs> exactly. you know it's like going to buy fabric what is it for don't worry just sell me the fabric exactly. <laughs> so yeah so, i think it's good it, it helps us feel I think it brings out the freedom in us. And like I said, when we spoke about um, Brazil fashion last week, and I said it was so liberating because Mm -hmm. it's not, it's very, there's a lot of, um, what do you call it, individuality and uh, on that that um, self-expression sort of note and people don't, We wake up thinking, what am I going to wear that will make me feel like me and Mm. feel
2: good? Other than, what's trending? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And in my last story, I actually like that when you were telling us what you're wearing, Liz, you did say that your jacket has been recycled. Parts of it have been recycled. Mm. That means you're a responsible fashion fashion icon <laughs> yes because the last story is actually it's more of a global one and it, now it's everyone refers to this season as silly season everyone is flocking to the malls they're flocking to the shops they're going to buy christmas clothes for themselves their kids gifts and so forth but we need to just take Cognizance of the fact that the fashion industry is contributing to the environmental problems that actually exist So basically they're just saying that as people who consume fashion We need to be mindful of those things Shops like your Zara's, shops like your H&M's that make fast fashion, that make clothes on demand, every time you go to the shop, there's something new. The chances are you will buy something new. But if you're a responsible shopper, if you're a responsible person who follows fashion, then you should know that um, you, you don't need to buy every time you go. You can recycle clothes. You can um, choose to just go to a thrift shop, maybe if that's for you. And also just wear your clothes for longer because in the 19. 20, 80s rather, people were buying 12 items of clothes per year. But right now, people are buying mm-hmm. 5 cl- items of clothes per month, mm-hmm. which means 60 items a year. That's a garment. can I just <laughs> add
0: on? Damn, girl! You done schooled them, girl! You done took them to school today! <laughs> I mm, am preaching child, today. I you don't. are not playing. Now, I want to remind you guys, for those who are tuned in, we have a topic around sustainability. And that yes. topic was very important as well because fashion is the sex- second most... Oh, Lord! Fashion <laughs> is the... <laughs> <laughs> excuse oh. me. It's Friday <laughs> evening in Johannesburg. Excuse me. Fashion is the second most polluting industry yes. in the world, and we have to take responsibility. When um, Bali is talking about wearing clothes, um, uh, maybe a few more times. I don't even think it's about your your choice i think it's about where you bought your clothes and (laughs) the brand the quality because if you spend more time consuming fast fashion and i'm not saying all fast fashion is bad fashion quality wise but trust me two three washes is going to the bean so be careful about tune in into that sustainability topic so that we don't take you back there but that's a very important uh topic and an important um i think there's a lot of um Uh, It's it's something we need to focus on. A lot of work to be done there.
2: Perfect, Liz. That's exactly (coughs) what it is. And just to close off, um, that's all that I have for you this week. But to be a responsible shopper, just remember buy quality clothes that you could wear for longer if you can wear your garment for more than nine months that means you've already reduced your carbon footprint Mm by 30 Uh percent and you're saving the planet you're saving the environment but you're looking hot at the same time from myself and valente thank you so much for this week's fashion alert i'll chat to you next week
0: Boom, guys. That is fashion a lot. You know what? We are happy people and we respond when we are happy. So if you guys were hoping that it was going to be a very serious straight face show, mm -mm. not this one, no. There's another one. But this one here, we are just happy and we celebrate every moment because life is about celebrating every moment. Now, I want to go back into our conversation today around um, (coughs) this whole uh what we call what did we say it's called economic robberies what we called it and we spoke about this last week when we were trying to unpack a topic and edgy actually put us up to the test and here we are opening it up (laughs) so i think for me the first thing i want to do is go straight into the conversation around the carnival costume production which has been taken over by china and i want to remind us that carnival is for me I i feel like carnival is a big representation of fashion in uh culture, or in arts, in a very different way, in music, in however way you want to see it. And um, the island of, uh, by an article um, by Kenya Downs, this is on WLRN, uh, he speaks about the island nation of Trinidad and Tobago which boasts one of the largest carnivals in the world and it dates back to 1783. Um, You think about it from uh, the French, African and Indian culture all leading up to two days of masquerading which they also call playing mass. And uh, you think about it again, uh, uh, they speak about the Brazilian or the South American counterpart, uh, which again, you know, anyone can take the streets. Uh, You've got the colorful costumes dancing through the port of Spain to the sounds of sweet soccer music. So carnival is a big thing. It's a growing popularity worldwide as well. So a lot of people travel out to sort of experience this uh, carnival. But what was once a community oriented celebration? is now mostly mass-produced. You think about the steel and drums. I didn't even know that it goes all the way to the steel and drums. Uh, you think about it from uh, the, you know, the the the, 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 the costumes, um, and you go on and on. And now they say that top musical artists produce the season's hottest tunes in New York and London, but the costumes are supplied even pre-assembled in China. And that is the part where I said, when we were in San Francisco and they were telling me about... Uh, the strong uh, cultures who actually sit and actually spend a lot of time of their year creating these costumes which obviously brings back into their pocket and brings back into their family and brings back onto their table is no longer uh, like it used to be and that's why we are having this conversation. Um, Trinidadia Trinidadia yes whichever way we look at it the profit margin is better for them to have done it in China it's mass produced there than it's brought across without giving any money back. So I want us, uh, Edgy before moving further. Is what is your thought around uh, this? And today we're going to share our echoes um, openly so that um, we can sort of figure out what's going on step by step instead of separating and breaking it off.
1: I think for me, right? For me, I think you know. Remember a few a few a few shows ago, we we're talking about nativism. You know, we're talking about our cultures. We're talking about how we embrace them and how we. You know, just this whole thing, like the story from Brazil, it just shows to us like how um, this, what we will call economic robbery, this may not be the right word for it, but it, it's, it does, it's a clear, it's a very clear way to say what it is, you know? Where all this, our cultures start to die because the things that landmark our cultures, like these traditional skills that we have, traditional things that we do, um, that I passed down for generations, they die because now they're this ship, easy to make copies that come in and um, then they take over what had already been entrenched. And, you know, so because of that, we, we lose grip of these things. So we lose cultural landmarks because of this. So for me, that's like the most annoying thing, you know, just knowing that, like the, the, um, like in Nigeria for instance you know this fabric that is every, that is worn everywhere you know that is normally done by Blisco and you 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 just you grew up with your mom wearing that but now it's done in china you know it just takes away i don't know it's 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 painful in a sense mm-hmm. because it it covers everything it covers appropriation it covers uh, just you know there's a huge ton of misappropriation involved in it and then there's just this for me like what, the thing that pains me the most is that cultures like China I'm not I'm not really singling out China but I feel like some cultures they don't have this you know like in Africa you know we're religious in a sense meaning either we tradi- we have traditional religions or we go to church you know so these religions begin to landmark cultures, you know, they they are like a, a thing that holds cultures together. Some people, some, 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 I would say like, some people don't have this strong cultural lineages, you know, like this cultural, like religions that, that, that kind of back end their, their cultures. So they don't have respect for these cultures when they go places. Like Okay, China, for instance, they don't have, like, a really organized religion. I feel like organized religion has a way of holding you on to, holding you to something. So when they come to Africa, I'm sorry to say this, but when they come to Africa, they they are not trying to, to help us keep anything. They're just essentially replacing everything, you know? And that's what's happening, like, when you go to Brazil and with all of this, even the drums coming out of China. I mean, it's like, but our... It's not, I can't blame the Chinese for that. I mean, nobody's going to take something from you. I don't, don't yeah, but I don't think
0: we are, I don't think we are blaming them, Edgy. Mm. I think for me, the conversation is how do we take over back? Meaning that we have to be strong as an economy. To be strong as an economy, you have to position yourself in a place where you can say enough. We have stopped, but we can handle it now. So I'm not saying China is just doing what we can't do, unfortunately, or what we're not doing
1: no you're totally you're totally right about that you know you're totally right it's just we have to understand that these little things when they die our cultures die you know and when our cultures die so what what is it that is special about us when we don't have our culture what are we going to build our economies around you know there's this special skills that we have something we can sell to someone else that that is uniquely ours and when that dies then so what are we going to sell to them you know, we're just going to recreate something that is probably theirs instead of ours or ours in some kind of bastardized way that doesn't have any originality and doesn't help us because we're not creating new skills anymore. We're not adding people to that skill pool because that, that skill is already dying. You yeah, know?
0: but we understand that it's dying because when you get it for a quarter of the price from China, then what happens? What we are doing is we are not making, our leaders are not making the right decisions. Some of these treaties peoples, some of these treaties our governments are signing are shocking. Because, yes, I feel like, you know, I, we will share a report shortly uh, as we move on. But I feel like the, 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 the conversation here is we all acknowledge and can see what's happening. But how do we change it? How do we change it and how to we do we take back? We have to take yes, back sir. because our skills uh our our skills uh, uh our craftsmanship our workmanship is unquestionable it's not going anywhere. This is stuff that has been embedded in the cultures. It's not going anywhere. My only thing is how do we have children sleeping hungry in this continent in a community that is so strong when it comes to whatever it is we are talking about, whether it means the Masai's and their beadwork or whatever, whether it's the baskets, the kiondos, whatever it is. How do we have that? And how does the government allow that? And how does the government or the leaders sign crazy treaties that allow... I don't know. That's the
1: I mean, basically, right? Uh, basically, what we have, what we do, the cultures that we have, the traditions that we have, are creating huge industries in different countries in china for instance you know there's a whole industry just for beating, for making african beads a whole industry just for making african fabrics A whole industry for just supplying africa right and some of these things are and it's funny like the cotton is coming out of africa to china and then come back to us as a finished product so it's 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 it's, it's shameful in a sense i think it it's all on the government um, to to reorientate our resor- our priorities in a, in a way that focuses on growing local, just supporting local industry, you know. I know for fashion people, fashion sometimes I feel like for our, for our governments, fashion is an afterthought, you know. Like the, but it's such a powerful industry. It
0: cannot be an afterthought, and I want us to <clears throat> maybe. I just want us to roll over to fashion, clothing, and textile because that's also, it's still connected to this and everything. But I want us to roll over to that because when I moved here in 2011, I remember that I was doing the amount of bags and beading. I had like the beaders that were working on my staff were like literally, I couldn't get enough of beaders. Today, I don't have, I have one or two beaders I outsource once in a while because what has happened is, I had a strong market for my beaded, my beaded products. But then what happened again is slowly uh, this product's amazing looking beaded, beaded products started um, infiltrating the market here. And they were coming from China. And guess what? At a quarter or a tenth of my price. So what do you think about that? That means that I get into production mode. I produce. And at the end of the season, I'm stuck with stock. I have so much stock. It's overwhelming. And not because it's not bad. People will still look at it, but they're like, I can't. If they can get 10 pieces for what I'm selling them at one, which is based on my labor costs here, because I'm not producing in China, I'm producing with the local women here. We're trying to put food on their table. We're trying to empower them. But at the end of the day, how do you, how do you win? And when I stop calling them and 10 other leases and a thousand other leases stop calling them, what are they supposed to do? And then... On the flip side, let me actually open this further. The people that I have, I have beaters who now work um, at the China malls. They work for, I will not tell you how much, because we're going to cry, and I don't want this to be a crying show, okay? So if I tell you what they're working for behind the shop for the Chinese, you're going to cry. Because guess what? It's either that or what. What are they going to do? Seriously, what are they going to do? They want to eat, they've got children, they've got families. What are they going to do? and for me on the flip side i can stop selling my bits. i'm not go- i'm not gonna sleep hungry because i'm in a different position from them but at the same time i could have been monetizing on my work it's also work it's just that when you don't have any other alternative what are you supposed to do
1: it's just a deep 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 subject for us to explore i think the challenge is for for us to see the opportunity I, I, like now for the next i don't know five ten years africa is gonna be like where everybody wants to be so how do we stand to gain from this influx if we're not if we don't have anything that these people are going to gain from If they're just only going to bring things to us and there's nothing for them to take back out you know so um
0: yeah uh, dr crever uh, again on this article around uh, the carnival and costumes and the whole thing and how China has taken over, is also um, talking about this operation. He says it's a year-round operation, and it's true. I've heard that these people can start making costumes for one carnival and obviously we know carnival happens once a year but it can keep them busy for the whole year because it happens anyway and people need costumes, but... He's speaking about the fact that, you know, this whole operation, supplying costume prototypes for carnivals around the world, everything has changed. They used to have this thing called the mask camp, where workers were assembling by hand some of the most detailed intricate costumes, not only for Trini Carnival, but Miami, New York, Toronto as well. Now look. So he says there's no creativity in it. They've put together from a copy of what's been in existence, from such an intricate personal level to now mass market you can buy here. He even says, how much skill can you put in a panty and a bra? <laughs> like, seriously. So I think for me, uh, guys, for those who are tuned in, we want to hear from you. Um, I think it's not about what, what's happening is one thing. What needs to happen to change that is another thing. That's the conversation that we need to have with the big, with the big boys and the big girls who can be able to influence that. We are talking economic robbery. Economic robbery, guys because we ha- we have to. So if you're tuned in and you're catching us right now, we haven't gone too far, uh, but here we are. We are joined by E.J. Benson with his echoes from New York and a bit of everywhere else today. We've also got Badly Endler in the house. Um, she brings up that report or that fashion news, but she's in the house with us. And I'm here holding it down. Now I want us to. I just want us. I wanted to remind us the impact of Chinese textile imports on employment and value added, um, sort of in the manufacturing sector of South African's economy, is something that we have to unpack a bit. I've got an article or a sort of report by Lumengo Bonga Bonga and Dudzi Biasi. Now China has been one of the world's fastest growing economy with its real Annual gross domestic product averaging 10% during the period of 1979 to 2013, and then reaching a historical high of 15.2% in 1984. Now, this rapid growth is mostly attributed to sort of rising foreign trade and investment with the rest of the world. Um, as well as free market reforms pursued by the Chinese government um, since 1979. I have to say, the, I have to give it up to the Chinese government, though, guys. Like, seriously, on the other note. Because, <laughs> damn, they're like, "Hi, if you're taking ching-chong, ching-cham, ching and cheng-cheng, then we're going to give you this. So you have to take ching-chong-cheng, and then you have to take their families, too, and take all their business, too, and put it there. And please do not charge them any taxes. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Edgy. <laughs> Edgy. Am I gonna create war here with your, our other potential I, partners? Or, but I'm just telling the um, truth. Ruth. No,
1: no. To be honest with you, to be honest with you, like I think I, I wish that we could, we could borrow even a sentence from their book. Me too.
0: Yeah. Guys, it's so true. The phenomenal rise of the Chinese economy has brought mixed reactions, like you can see in the studio here in the countries around the world. <laughs> some see can, some see China as an opportunity, uh, others look at it as a threat. Now, one of the things they have to say, it's not just Africa. You know, look at uh, a number of policy makers in the U.S. Uh, they sort of see the surge of US, U.S. imports from China as a threat to various um, U.S. economic sectors. And so you think about manufacturing um, they also think about it from uh, China's low-cost labor that has sort of contributed to the rise of its manufacturing sector, um, which is, is, is a threat. I mean, people are losing jobs. P- they Actually, the U.S. is blaming them <laughs> for losses of jobs in the U.S. due to relocation of many U.S. industries and plans to China. Um I think that um I know that today it feels like it's the topic is called highlight on China it's not highlight on China but unfortunately or fortunately China has a lot to do with it. Um Egy, do you want us to open up a bit on this uh do you want to share your insights and like I said I'm not making jokes about it but the truth of the matter is they know what they're doing their deals are very hard but how it impacts the us who are not making the right decisions or who are not having the right or the stronger. We need stronger leaders who can put themselves down and negotiate harder while sort of keeping in mind that they care about their people and they care about the development. Um here. What's your two cents on this, Edgy?
1: So for me, right, I feel like you know how like I, I take it I I kind of drawn an analogy from like here in the US, like you have the left that wants health for people and you have the right that wants help for the insurance companies you know so the right doesn't really care like they stick to it i want the insurance companies to do better than you physically mm. okay and the left says i wish we could do as good as the insurance company so i feel like why beg for your position to be seen like the west the left here though always begs for, for their position to be seen the right just takes a position so I feel like African countries, yes, the Chinese have shown us what what to do. And they've been really unabashed about it. Like, they have not been soft about it. They've taken positions that are really for the good of their own people. So if African leaders can do the same, because as individuals it's going to be so difficult. Whatever you do, the government will just sweep the, the rug from under your feet by signing some kind of deal, <laughs> you know? So, if if the governments can take a position to so say, look, in the next 10 years, everybody's coming to Africa anyway, whether they like it or not, mm-hmm. it's the only unsaturated market for anything in the world mm-hmm. that anyone is selling. So how do my people gain from this? You know, what am I willing to pay for what they are bringing? And what am I willing to ask for what they are taking? Mm. You know, mm. I think that if we can do this, as a, if even one government takes a position, like like if you look at Rwanda right now, like if you look at that country, like everything, they, they care about the environment, they care mm. about water, they care about all these little things. Mm. And that's just one little government taking a position. So you can see that it works when African leaders take a position, you know? So I think that's where it is. Like if we're going to save our cultures, save the skills that built us to where we are, um, belt our traditions around these skills, then we're going to have to take positions that really, really uh, focus on our people. Like what is going to be good for me? You know, Yes. as yeah, a people.
0: Yeah, I think that we um, we need we do need. Um, I don't know if people are drinking too much wine. What are these officials doing with this? I don't know if they're drinking no. wine or they're smoking <laughs> cigars and they get
1: tired. I or feel they, like okay, this is my pick, or they
0: like, just don't think. Do they just stop thinking?
1: No, no, no! I don't think so. I think I think we just always bargain from a weaker position. Meaning, like That's
0: yes, really bad. The other, unfortunately,
1: the other guys are bringing technology, right? They're bringing this. They're bringing that. But we don't. We forget that we actually bringing. We actually have the stuff they need. We have this huge market, and we have the resources. Like without what comes out of Congo, for instance, you can have cell phones. You know. Mm -hmm. so that's something we have but of course the chinese have gone in there i don't know how many of those mines are owned by the chinese but that's a deal that the government signed you know
0: and so and there's nothing we can do about it (laughs) we're just citizens
1: we're just trying to claw back and then the next government says oh we've just got food wings we're gonna try to claw back but at that point the damage is done so i think it's all we're not. I mean, it's just the beginning of the of the inflow. So I think we're still at a very good position, but we have to be be very deliberate about this position that we're taking. So that if not, it's going to be so difficult for us. You know, it's going to be so difficult for us. Like, I mean, we we are ready though. I mean, Africa is going to be huge, but huge for who though? <laughs>
0: for the Chinese who are sitting here <laughs> with their
1: families like, so Listen. are we surrendering this hugeness to someone else or for ourselves so I think that's right I know this is a very difficult subject yes to, it is mm-hmm. I,
0: it is a difficult in, uh, conversation but if we don't have it who's going to have it so for me what I want to do is for those who are tuned in again um, share with us your thoughts we are on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter Fashion Lab Africa on instagram and facebook we want to hear from you we want to hear what you're thinking we want to hear what you think is the next step and i think for me the bigger um and more influential people who can actually make decisions around this subject are actually even more important for this conversation really otherwise we'll just be talking about these things talking without action is no is i don't know is it's like why are we even talking if nothing's going to change around it. But I still think that talking is a part of playing a role, a part of taking responsibility in this. We have to talk about it, and maybe someone is going to hear us. I don't know. Um, I want to move into the next thing, which is uh, or the next um, angle, which is cultural appropriation. <coughs> and cultural appropriation, I know it keeps coming over and over again. We've had a chance to unpack it on the show. I've also written an article um, around it on our Fashion Lab blog. So when you get a chance, please feel free to share with us your thoughts. So just look at it to also understand in the bigger um, sort of picture what we are really talking about, what it means. We still don't really... I don't think, Edgy, we ever found... We don't really know... We don't know what it means, means, but we touch around it because cultural appropriation is so big and I don't know where it ends and where it stops. Uh, and it's also... It can be so many things, but it can also be not so many things. Those things that, you know, people bring back. Uh, Bridget Vezina, um, on her intellectual property and cultural heritage law article around uh, this topic speaks about it and says in the face of public uproar, following sort of countless accusations of cultural appropriation the fashion industry is due to undergo a profound transformation. Now the world over calls are sort of made for fashion designers to be mindful when borrowing from other cultures and to offer products that are respectful of their traditions. While the term cultural appropriation is shrouded in uncertainty, there is undoubtedly a role for intellectual property in curbing this harmful practice. I said, the reason I say it is, is because it's really... People come with different lawsuits, people want to slap you for this and that, but then at the same time, we've had this argument edgy, even here in studio, and it's... Yeah? So, I think uh, what we'd like to do is maybe uh, just top, open up a bit um, for those of you who don't know uh, around. I mean, open up a bit. Edu, would you like to just open up? Let's open up this topic a bit um, when it comes to its connection with economic re- robbery? Because I, we thought, and I, th- and I think that this is a very big tie to economic robbery.
1: Well, I mean, that's the whole thing, though. That's what we're talking about. Like, they come in, they take, they, they bring in something for us to buy. Right, and they take away from us something, but they take it at a price that undercuts us in a way. Because now, they're they're selling us something for five dollars. They're taking away from us for a dollar, so we'll. And, do they right. and they bring it back for ten dollars. When they bring it back for ten dollars, right? But, but so. then,
0: but they're not te- okay. They're not taking it. We've given it to them, Edgy. Another thing about cultural appropriation is it also really depends on what we are talking about. And I think for me, my whole thing is you only take. There is no. People say stealing, taking. No, 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 no. They would not have those things if we said no. Whatever it is they are doing, if we said no, they wouldn't have access to.
1: Well, I mean that's one, one, one. That's that's what we've been saying. Like the, the, our governments continue to undercut us because they are the ones that only have the. They, they are the only ones who are who have the power to to sell this negotiate these resources and sell them, right?
0: But but Edju, can I add on to that? When we think about it from, let's just say, Maasai cultural appropriation angle, for example, these Maasais are illiterate, okay? Many of them. They haven't gone to school. They can't read. Um it they have a community. When people come into the communities, you look and see how people operate. When people travel and are experiencing communities and what it's travel, it's tourism. So you go into a space, you do what you're doing, next thing you're talking to or church says, Hey, what? Oh, we wanna get the we wanna take this. Oh, okay, we'll give you we'll take photos with you. Oh, okay, thank you. It's not just governments, it's even just communities. And then in the communities, if there is a strong community culturally, that has a strong offering, who's taking care of them? Because that doesn't have to be, we're not blaming, I'm not going to blame the government for everything. I think that there's small little packets of different communities who have community leaders. There's also organizations who advocate for some of these, uh, you know, these voices and these people and their offerings. So it's not just government. It's, it's, why is it becoming, it's so hard for the fashion industry at its highest peak to maintain that ethical business level. That's what I'm it's, it's, it, it, that's what annoys me. and I don't care about the inspiration. I what I care about is the fact that it goes deeper than that. you know so actually we are talking about one dollar for five into back to ten. What about just the basics like I got inspired, I went, my name is my brand is Barbary or my brand is whoever. and now the things are just out there you forgot to even mention where you drew, drew inspiration from and then you forget to realize how it impacts those cultures. Some of these cultures don't even want money, they just want acknowledgement. But, but then we need money. Okay, talk, talk, Baba.
1: Come. Let's say let's say Africa and Ghana, right? These countries have huge resources in terms of cocoa, right? Mm-hmm. And Nigeria to some extent. If these countries have a, a a good like and it's like a dedicated chocolate industry, right? Which means that the cocoa can actually leave Africa as processed also. You know, mm-hmm. so just imagine that. Yes, the Europeans or the Chinese can buy raw cocoa, of course, because it's a, it's a commodity. But we can also sell them and the world and Africa itself chocolate. So, but will the government support? would the government see the foresight of these things? Will the government see the potential of this? You know, see, because if the government can see that really quickly, then they could put money in. They could they could help assist the growth of these kinds of industries because they can use local resources and they can change the flow of resource, meaning flow, the flow of only raw raw items getting out of Africa and processed items coming into Africa, you know, because that would change the balance of trade effectively, you know, because we're paying more for processed goods than we're paying for raw goods. So if we can sell some processed goods, then it balances out, you know. So I think that's where, and the same for cotton. You know, most of the denim, you know, is made out of cotton that comes out of Africa. Africa and Egypt has incredible denim, incredible cotton, you know. And so it's most of Africa, but. You know the the, the, in, the, the current industry in Africa is is totally being being like we're losing out in terms of the competition. Like the things coming up coming in are so cheap that there's no there's no hunger to uh, to create these industries anymore because the Chinese are just going to undercut you. But I think if the government is deliberate and restricts some of this, uh, at least put some tariffs or some kind of protection around local industry. At least give it like five years of protection just to enable us to catch up. You know, not catch up, but at least grow some capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. these things can begin to really help us. You know, um, but it's it's going to take government effort totally.
0: Wow, I wonder what's going to be the next thing. Anyway, um, guys, we are talking <laughs> the creative economy. I want to bring... A topic on my article around um, cultural appropriation I speak about the recent years (laughs) cultural appropriation and sort of some of the uh, issues that have made uh, deadlines in the mainstream media Um, I want to touch on issues like if anyone remembers Ghana must go Ghana must go was such a strong I just remember Ghana must go was a Ghana must go bag now it's uh, I see Ghana must go everywhere what's your two cents on our let's just talk about Ghana must go for a minute
1: well, I because mean, I Ghana
0: went. Like I mean, it went. <laughs> I,
1: don't like the I don't like that either.
0: It because,
1: because it was some. It was a bad. It was one of those things that happened that was bad. bad. But, but of course, Ghana has become a huge economy in terms of its capacity. Uh, the population is small, but the capacity continues to outgrow the population in a sense. In terms of when you compare that population to what Ghana is able to, to do and public perception of ghana it's it's just it's just it's just huge you know so uh, from that point i think you know uh, ghana is actually ghana and rwanda i think show show us like especially on the west side of africa like what what is possible when governments can negotiate better like last week or so two weeks ago. Alibaba and, and a team of like just huge Chinese industrialists were with the president of Ghana. I mean, you, you and his speech to them, mm-hmm. you could see that that you know he commanded so much respect, just his 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 clarity in terms of what he wants, you know. So, if African leaders can take a posture like a strong posture they actually can negotiate fantastic deals for the continent you know so from that point I think economic robbery it, it's it's all in our hands like we can allow it we can stem we can fight it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah we can fight it we can negotiate it you know yeah
0: but do you find but it so? Have- and, and it's so sad Below, because like, I said like I said I grew up knowing Ghana must go for years and anytime I saw anything that looked like that, because I never saw anything else that looked like that except those specific bags, I thought, oh, my God, this is so cool. Now you have the whole thing, you know, going back and forth there. You've got the that whole thing. I don't know how the lawsuit went with the versus the Gucci. Uh, it was Gucci, yeah? It was Gucci. That was Gucci, right? It's Gucci. Yeah,
1: um. Probably, I, I, I don't was, remember who it was. It was Gucci. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I mean appropriate africa is huge i mean there's so much to appropriate from africa is just how much of us africans are doing more, doing that like how much capacity does africans have to actually uh benefit like the chinese benefited from their own growth you know um i you know i think there's, there's tons of billionaires and millionaires to be made out of this inflow that's coming to africa it's just how can the government assist us to do that?
0: We remember, let's also talk about Masai versus Louis Vuitton. That was also a very big deal.
1: Yes. Yes, I know.
0: Again, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just echoing what you're saying. Like, you know, this this is such a huge um I mean, there's so much to be done. But I just hope the African governments are up to the task, you know.
0: All right, guys. Um We don't have to go through everything, but I just remember this. those was, those were some keys. Stella McCartney versus Ankara was also a very big one for me because Ankara, me, suddenly I was walking in the high street in London and I'm looking through the window, I'm like, alas, <laughs> hey, hey? and I'm thinking I'll see Obubu Babuja. <laughs> and I see Stella McCartney, I'm like, Okay, fine, we can share. You know, sharing is caring. But um, that was also a big one. Uh, I don't know which direction it went or whatever it is. All I know is that some of the prints that have been put to question, like the wax print, have sort of long been associated with Africa in the minds of many people, you know. So people look at Ankara and they're like, yeah. However, we also have to remember from the flip side, Ankara, formerly known as Dutch wax print by African Dutch uh, company Vlisco was introduced into West Africa by Dutch traders in the mid-1800s, and by the 1900s, Africa took it over. So again, when we start fighting about something, uh, for those who are tuned in, when you want to get out, pull out your placards and make noise while well, some people are smiling to the bank because they were just in your backyard getting your cotton while you're making noise with your placards, just remember that the history goes way, way deeper. Um, you know, when you think about uh, the African, well, we now call it African print, but it was called the dutch wax print and it's true so i think also what we need to do is research and understand your stories right before you get out with your whips and your and your noise making skills and then let's focus on um i think it's great to observe but i think it's more it's better to spend more time trying to figure out how to elevate ourselves you know at the end of the day we spend too much time making noise i know it sounds confusing to many of you i know maybe that's why you guys are quiet (laughs) in the house too today But maybe you're not ready for this, but let's pay attention so that accusations of cultural appropriation or improper representation spring up in the right way. So that we are not, because we are so quick. Hey, in this continent of ours, you can just say, she took the red hat. Yeah, she took it. She took the red hat. And we just take it to like, it just trends on Twitter. And guess what? She didn't even take the red hat. She took the blue one. (laughs) Halas. Anyway, there's power in going back to research. Um, so I think that's what I'm also trying to encourage um, our people who are listening to do. Nuno Gama of Maison, Nuno Gama says, cultural appropriation to compromise all, of t- all types of acts that do not dignify the culture of the people and withdraw its meaning and dignity. So it's sort of considered uh, offensive. So I think that we also have to think about, Edgy, when it comes to, for me, the trademarks, the copyrights, and there's something else we touched on uh, around cultural appropriation, is how do you protect it? Because it's there and it will be exploited. There's patent, there's copyright, there's trademarks. I think one of the things you guys need to do, and maybe we should bring back Ms. Duak uh, another time, to open up on this conversation because it's the little things. It's not little, but it looks little, the things we're not paying attention to. To protect ourselves the cultural IP is a big thing, and how to protect your cultural IP is another thing. So instead of making noise about it and sitting and being vexed on the corner, how about your trademark? Do you have it? As you tuned in, how many of you have trademarked your what you call so precious? How many? Copyright? I know you'll tell me it's expensive, but listen, let's go out, let's run the streets, let's do what we need to do. Do not rob the banks, please, but do what you need to do because that is so important. Take a loan. Seriously, protect your, you've got to protect your cultural IP. Otherwise, you have nothing to talk about. You can sit down today and say, uh, Edgy Benson, uh shoe, shoe line. If you, don't, if, you didn't, if you didn't trademark it or you didn't copyright it, something happens to it, it's not even yours. It's yours in, 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 in your mind. And it's true that you're working on it and you've built it. But it can be taken away from you in a minute. So we need to be business savvy, and I think we need to pay attention to that. And I'm learning every day as well. I'm in the school of of, of, of life, and we are learning. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you catch it before it hits you hard. Two cents on that, Edgy? Edgy's very very. Actually, quiet.
1: for me, I don't. For me, I don't mind that. To be honest with you, like I don't mind that we have that we are doing enough things out there that people are stealing them a little bit right now. This just just so Edgy. Much- no you did not no
0: you're encouraging no no.
1: No. you have to let me you have to let me finish the point though so right now i feel like all the flow is so so one-sided you know the flow is so one-sided that there's not enough african influence out there for people to uh, we should have more influences there for people to copy you know we should i really feel so you know
0: Eji, you want us to have enough for people to copy while we're working our behinds off and getting what? On ne gagne rien. Ça fait pas du sens. Excusez-moi. Ça fait pas du sens. Si on ne gagne rien, on continue comme ça. Ne sera rien. For what?
1: I know I'm not... I know on this side, on that topic, I'm not saying the right things. It's not right or wrong.
0: I just think... What's the point of putting your back into something if you cannot maximize on the result of it what's the point what's the point of baking oh. a cake and then it falls on the street and you and Edgy says it's okay go at liz it dropped but it was you baked it you know but even though it dropped in but you but yeah <laughs> you baked it at least go bake another one What if i don't have money to bake another one
1: <laughs> economic <laughs> empowerment
0: baba we need an inc- economic empowerment topic 101
1: so what i'm saying is this right are you there yes we are here (laughs) okay yes what i'm saying is i don't mind if africa has that much so much influence that it's hard not to copy us that we're just so influential that because we have that big a culture now we are that huge from a cultural point why can't we just be so omnipresent that
0: because that's not because be, uh, AG, the reason we cannot just do that and stop there is because <clears> then we are going to uh, the children will die of hunger and the auntie will not be able to have money oh, to I, put on the table.
1: I get that point. Yeah, so, so, so point.
0: the auntie cannot be working. We have to change our mindsets. There's no working without there's no you know how we say there's no romance without finance? Uh-huh. There's no working <laughs> without it's called my pastor calls it certificates of excellence. So you get appreciated, but you get appreciated on the ching-ching. If you're not making money out of what you're doing, you are are exploited. Seriously, money is important. It's a big conversation. We're going to bring Dr. Rich here to talk about this because our attitude towards money is also something else we have to unpack because that's how we are going to either win and smile to the bank or smile to the sea. I know we want to go to the sea. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be in the sea right now? But guys, can we at least smile to the bank on the way to the
1: sea? Link, i want to hear mbali's thoughts about this
0: <laughs> bali would you like to share your two cents <laughs> because edgy thinks it's important <laughs>
2: that we get your brain on this okay um no i'm
1: serious
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay edgy thank you for putting me on the spot <laughs> yeah i i do think um that we're actually sitting on our resources and our ideas, and that's why other people are able to steal them from right under our nose and they, remember they, they don't steal them. we give it to them. okay, as <laughs> yes, we give it <laughs> we say here, mm. and you even say, you want Marchish, do you want more?
0: Mm. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. literally um, I think even uh, abroad or in other countries um, they actually fight for their um, ideas or their cultural ideas and so forth, but here when we see somebody appropriating as what they call it or, or wearing something that's distinctively part of our culture or for a certain culture, we embrace it, we ch- clap for them, we get excited we repost it, we share it that's exactly what Liz is saying is in a way we give it to them and then when it starts making money and it starts turning, get, around. Get, turning around and getting revenue and then all of a sudden we want to say oh they stole it but the whole time we were cheering them on at the beginning, because we did not do not see that okay, there's actually money to be made here. Let's let's register a copyright. Let's make it ours. Let's legalise it. Let's make sure that if somebody tries to take it, it's trademarked. You know, so I, I do think that we're very laxed and relaxed in that respect. And then when the light bulb goes off, <laughs> it's probably too late. Those are my thoughts edgy
1: but <laughs> see see that was what i was saying almost so edgy. Saying. no wait 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 i'm saying right? i'm saying remember if somebody steals something from you they stole you it did, they, they didn't
0: steal there. it we gave it to them can we get the word right bali edgy and everyone is no. tuning in no, no one is no, stealing wait. anything they we
1: wait. gave it to them i'm saying now we i'm saying I am saying, let's not give it to them anymore. Let's then steal it. So let's be so good that yes. they will want to steal it. Yeah. You know? What do you
0: mean, be so good that they will want to steal it? We are so good that we gave it to them because they asked for <laughs> no, it. No, no, no. That's it That's was good. so good, edgy, that they no, asked for it no, and they got no. given. Nobody asks for what's not good. People only oh, ask for the no. best. Can you just summarize where we we just sort of left you there because I was starting to have a headache, but, you know, in a nice way. I don't know if headaches are nice, but can you please just say what you're saying in a nutshell so that we can move on to the next thing, Edgy? I just need a clear understanding so that I don't misquote you.
1: <laughs> well, look, you have to be good enough. It, it wouldn't hurt to be so good that people want to copy you. Right now, I feel like everything coming to Africa is—it has a, a kind of a, a direction of flow that is not really that beneficial for us. It's like raw materials flow out, processed goods come in, we pay more for those processed goods, they pay little for the, the raw things they take out. So I'm saying if if our governments can help us build capacity where we can do a lot of things, produce the most amazing clothes, get get manufacturing positioned in Africa where designers don't have to look so far to find good manufacturing, have develop have investments in developing cotton to to fabrics where we're not having to look out. To, of course, we'll always look for China. It's a free trade. We're in a free trade world, but we have to be at least good enough that we're sending something out that is good that people can copy it. Right now, what? Are, they, are people going to copy like a cocoa seed? You know? But
0: is that copying of the cocoa seed going to pay John's bill?
1: Of course, I think so.
0: How? Of course. Edgy. that's okay. the part that I need you to no, open up. Th-
1: I'm saying that, <laughs> I'm saying that we're not, we don't want them to copy the cocoa seed. We want them to copy the cotton cloth. We, I mean, the, the chocolate we made from the cocoa seed. And you then know?
0: after they copy it, Edgy, what I'm asking is: John mm. getting paid? Is John is John feeling comfortable financially because of the cocoa and every product that has come out of it because trying well, to copied it? Because feeling good about one thing is one thing. I'm, the bottom line, Edgy, well, I, is: who, Is John getting I, that's paid?
1: The point. I get the point about who, but John is selling those. Those is selling to two people, of which two maybe another two people are copying him, right? Okay, because you can't really rule out copying. But what I'm saying is that even if, with John able to sell two chocolates to two guys in in in, in New York, for instance, this changes the flow a little bit. It it does affect the dynamic of that trade relationship. Two chocolates,
0: Edgy. Two chocolates, really.
1: No, I'm. I'm, I'm okay. just. This is hypothetical. I'm all not right. saying two chocolates okay. come, back. and I, I don't know. Like, that's that's what I feel. I, I, I do think that we need to change the flow a little bit. We need to be copied too, not just just the appropriation is like they take our fabrics, they make all these beautiful things. I want to be able to in, to like s- infiltrate the market here with incredible African brands. You know. That the clothes are actually made in Africa, not that they have to be made in China. Of course, some of them are going to be made in China, but we have to have some capacity to make these clothes. Like we have to shout, we have to have the lungs with which to shout, and this, in, this industry, I mean, like investments in 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 these kinds of areas. Edgy, will give Edgy, us But you
0: maybe one thing you're forgetting is we do, we did have the capacity. Do you know about the production facilities and the production um, landscape here? Uh, like about 30, 40, 50 years ago, and how powerful and how strong it was. And South Africa is one example. But South African's uh, production, obviously, everything's gone down now today. However, when you look at Kenya, we were talking about the export processing zone, which has been going mm-hmm. for almost, what, 80 years? I've forgotten how many years, but still strong and still gro- going and, and strong. So please, let's not talk about capacity. We can have capacity here, but the re- the minute that demand diminishes from what is produced locally and now because china copied john and now john has brought his product (laughs) back and now alice is trying to buy what john brought back that is where the problem is because there is nothing to do here and the factories that's why the factories are closing every day it doesn't mean that people are not consuming consumers are consuming Mm -hmm. fashion and consuming everything else continuously so I don't agree with you on that part, that part there. But I want to say something. South African fashion lawyer Sumaya Demar strongly advises on the three things to get right legally when starting your fashion brand and sort of moving on along with it. You have to think about this as a very vicious industry. You can hear Edge's examples are also taking us to see how big and how broad and how crazy this industry can be. But you have to have a right to copyright protection. That means you have to stay woke, you know. You've got to have... Uh, sort of that power that power to those cultural groups who have set up systems to protect their cultural and economic rights whether you organize the groups through the community or the governments or whichever group um, it definitely will make a big difference that's the truth and despite the flaws also i have looked into trademark and copyright laws as well also for my own brands and despite the flaws around the current ip law and concerns around it as being is it really a reasonable solution based on some of your questions to us today is you know when you look at the issues of cultural appropriation there's still protection that you get from the laws so if you decide you want to boycott or abscond really it's up to you but for me i always believe that you know you still have to look at the system and see how can you profitize out of it or how can you um take advantage of it um to also put yourself in a better and a stronger position as well so edgy your that question about what's happening here personally i believe that there is capacity Um, And I believe that when I look at how things are here, the reason that the factories are closing down here is not because there is no demand for what they do. It's only because what they do and the product that they actually create out of what they do in their production system costs 10 times more than what's coming from China. And people have to sell. The brands have to sell. So if my production is happening, it had started happening, maybe it was 500 per, per style then it went down to 300 then 100 then 50 now we're looking at waiting on orders there's no more risks so that means that there is a, an impact the impact that china has had here to me is a threat and i'll tell you something else their families are all sitting here so whatever the thing they signed me i don't know if i should just move to china and just be a part of that side but anyway let's see <laughs> we'll see what happens guys i want us to talk about um factors of production Uh, When it comes to, uh, there's an article I found on Investopedia. And I want to talk about them because there's four different factors uh, that come into production. When it comes to production and what's needed for us to be able to earn an economic profit, and we have to look at this as an economic profit, land is a big thing. So land is any natural resources that's needed to use the sort of production in a good way or a good service. So land, when we are talking fashion today and we are thinking land, You know, guys, that when we are talking land, uh, it's obviously the products. Think about cotton, which is a big thing here in Africa. Think about anything else that comes from the soil is land related. That is a very important factor when it comes to us being able to change the sort of economic landscape or influence it in a way that can benefit us. The second thing we have to think about is labor. Now, labor of, again, we talk about the factories that I'm just talking about right now. That is labor. And the fact that laborers are not working, the carnivals we spoke about, that's labor. So labor is such a big thing. Everybody who's doing something or creating something is labor. If that is affected, we are dead. So that's a very important uh, factor to look at. The third one is capital. And I think that capital, as much as badly said it lightly, but it's true that the investment, uh, you know, that, you know, when they say the creative economy here has been forgotten, even though it's so powerful and it's so big and has so much potential, is because the investors are not investing in it. And the big money boys and money girls are not taking it serious as it as it should be maybe some of them are but not as it should be and we have to realize that capital is important when you think about all of these manufacturing plants edgy that you're talking about and saying maybe we don't have the capacity we could expand on what we have we already do have the manufacturing plants we've got machinery we've got tools we've got equipment but we could expand on them but we can only expand of them on them when there's demand for what the manufacturing plant will be creating otherwise what's the point And then the last part of it the fourth one very important point guys if there's anything you remember entrepreneurship is a big thing and it's the fourth factor but it's a very big thing so we cannot operate in a space where we are thinking edgy that because they're copying us we are in power i refuse with that one that one i've refused today baba maybe tell me again maybe later maybe in 10 minutes try and tell me again but for now i feel like if we operate with the mindset of entrepreneurship um, which includes visionaries, innovators behind the whole production system, includes just the idea of how to make business sense out of everything we do in a more in a stronger way than we definitely have very little to lose. I think that that's to me. I think that that's so the reason I'm sharing this with you guys. Yes, is yes, we are talking um, economic robbery, but also we have to focus on what the key things are here. There are some things that just cannot be compromised. If we pay attention to the land, the labor, the capital, and the entrepreneurship, then we are moving seven times closer. If we had a very strong um, entrepreneurship sort of um, uh, directive in this continent, we would be very far. I don't think we have it. I think that we are good at what we create. I think that we are very good at what we do. But I just think that we don't have enough... um, we need a. Uh, we need. We need to. We need to make business sense of what we do. And I think that the sooner we are able to get more of that, the more. We, sooner we are able to get more workshops. There's got to be more business workshops, more than anything else. Anything where where any skill factory setup or base, I think, needs to have a very strong business angle. Anyone who wants to give enterpre- uh, fashion designers money, please, can we focus on st- the str- strengthening the part of the. Business angle to it, where you actually make sure that whether it's a prerequisite, where if you're coming into our program, we'll fund you for this, but you have to go through this program. That I think is a strong way. As you share your thoughts with us, based on this key key four points. Can I?
1: Okay. Can you can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can. Thank you.
1: Okay. So here's my. I think you raised one important point of all the. Point only one edgy. All, of are, <laughs> all of them are important but there's one point that is super important because i can relate to that point so level right africa has a lot of level mm-hmm. the reason i moved my factory from new york to shanghai was level right because there's not enough uh, there's not a big enough pool uh, skill pool here for sewing and all the related skills that you need and there's not enough, and like there's just not enough, not enough people do do what I want, and also the cost of doing that is a lot because of not enough supply, right? So in Africa we have abundant supply of labor. What it needs is skill. So the biggest thing we need is to be able to attract, like a like a, a manufacturing base, meaning get outsiders to come in who are. Look, the Chinese could have done well by setting up factories in Africa, but they don't do that because it diminishes their factory work in China. So, we need companies that can come in that would build factories in Africa, and because those factories would require skill, they would train the skills that they need. But but actually, there is already
0: factories and skills. We just need to re re. We don't need them. Not enough.
1: Not enough because. I can't go. Co- I can't go to Africa right now with a job for certain companies because they are, there's not enough base to pass the the requirements that are needed to sh- to ship the goods out here. So question, question,
0: question for you. Sorry, mm. does it? Mm. Do you think that it might be better to start creating an appetite for demand before we re? and and we're not building we are not building we are expanding what already exists because there is the infrastructure around production is there it's just that well like i said when they're closing down they're closing down because of lack of business so maybe before i agree with you and i like your point but i'm thinking before focusing on expanding on the existing infrastructure which already exists how about figuring out how to start creating a demand because who are we going to feed what 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 are we going to feed into these factories before understanding and creating that de- recreating that demand that has been lost?
1: It, it's all about risk and, and and private business, private enterprise knows how to take risks. So if you can build the right the right ecosystem for manufacturing in say you take one place say you take Ghana for instance, you set up a factory in Ghana that passes certain requirements. yes, it's going to be expensive initially the demand will not meet what you the capacity that you have but with every single order you do that's one more person that knows about this capacity that you have eventually eventually you will you will get to a point where enough people know. remember everything going from africa to the u.s for instance is duty free that is a huge thing they can't no
0: not everything no
1: Everything is like it is clothing-related. A lot of the things are duty-free. There are so many things that are duty-free. Most of the clothes ship duty-free. you know. And imagine like polyester. If you're shipping polyester from China to the U.S., it's like 33% duty. And if you're shipping it out of Africa, there's nothing. So just imagine that. That it's, the, the advantages for Africa are huge, and they've been there for like donkey years. So we can't use them. The AGOA program is now, what, 20 years old or Yeah, more? but the
0: AGOA program, program. the problem I have with the AGOA pro- program is they have not, this information is not readily available. To pe- You have to look for it. Like if no one told me about AGOA, I would never have known about AGOA. And I still tell you, I can tell you a big fat industry who does will say AGOA who? What then? And I think for me... You know me, why? Why? Tell me. And then I have. A, I think I have a solution or a, a direct solution.
1: The, the, the why is very simple. There's not enough people in enough people invested in the in the things that at does. You know, so if you're not a manufacturer, why do you need it? You know? If you're not an exporter to the US, you don't need it. You're not you're not gonna want to hear about it.
0: But can it's I just, say can so I add on to something also, Edgy?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: I agree with you. Plus, on top of that, people are not focused enough here on understanding that export is a market and there has not been enough. Um, directive to sort of push that agenda that so that when you're a brand and you produce, if you're a brand and you're producing 10,000 pieces a year, you, you have space to be able to penetrate into other markets, including the US market. So, so I feel Absolutely. that, yeah, so I feel like there's a lack of um, direction when it comes to designers. This is what you're doing fantastic, it's great, it's local, but there's a whole world here that's our oyster that we're not even chewing on. Like
1: just, like a small a small cotton farmer in Nigeria or Ghana, right, can actually find a buyer outside of (laughs) outside of the country on his own. But that is so
0: crazy. That something is there's a disconnect. The ecosystem here has a lot of holes, and that's why we are talking edgy. We are not in agreement for every every direction of what we think, but it's okay. It's a, I don't know what I don't know how we are going to be able to change that. But I know that this show is the show where we unpack these conversations to make sure that our listeners are plugged in and that you know if you have anything that you want to share, or if you have any ideas, or if you're the person who's going to ga- change the name of the game and you're actually tuned in now, then hey hey, I mean, what can I say? So I think you edu- don't leave. yes.
1: So last last two weeks ago, I had a rug coming from South Africa, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: DHL taxed the rug. Uh, they taxed me like $160 for this rug. I've never paid it, any duties on these rugs. Like, mm-hmm. they, talk, they, 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 they put duty on it. And I recorded it. I said, no, I've never paid taxes. I've never paid duty on it. Never paid any clearance fees on these things. They come in as part of AGOA. And you know the funny thing? hmm yeah, after like a week of waiting, they went, they, they, they took the charge up, So that's a huge advantage. Your customers don't have to pay duties, you know. But they I ha- mean it- yes,
0: but they have to be aware. Africa, if you're listening right now, if you do not know about it, and maybe you haven't even thought about export market, or maybe you've thought about it, but you st- keep struggling and thinking, gosh, shipping and handling will kill you. But trust me, there's good news. Agoa is in existence for so many years in existence. And what they do is allow you to ship tax-free. So that all you need to focus on is your shipping, not your handling. Uh, from a tax perspective. So, uh, you know what I want to do, Edgy? I'm really uh, enju- getting into the topic now, but I think that what I would like us to do is to sort of roll over to uh, uh, my, one of my favorite segments so that we can just use it as a break because we need a sir <laughs> And uh, yes, let's roll over to... Who would you want to dress... <laughs> <laughs> well we're not rolling over to you who would you want to dress guys we are rolling over to who would you want to dress last because that's the last segment but the one i want to roll over to right now is it's time for your wine style guide brought to you by liz ogunga wines You guys love that little (laughs) truque. Anyway, today's wine style guide. Ah, I was very proud of you guys last week, but we are here again. Mbali, you've been very quiet. We're going to start with you. What is your wine style guide today?
2: Okay, my wine style guide for today is, um, as we said, the festive season is coming up. So when you visit someone or you are invited to dinner or any sort of occasion, bring over with you a bottle of wine and be a good visitor to your host. And when you hand it over to them, you can let them know that this is for their cellar or this is for their collection. It's so weird when people bring wine and then they keep looking around to see are we drinking it? Are we drinking it? No. We're not drinking it. We are depositing
0: it into yeah. the home of the person. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So
2: your, your host has probably cooked you some nice food or some meals and they've paired the wines accordingly. Your wine is for their next event. So that's hey. my guide for this week. Oh, ding,
0: ling, ling. <laughs> ding, and, ding. Actually, we are rolling over to you. What's your wine style guide today?
1: So my wine style guide today, actually, I, I had a curiosity and I made a to answer it for me um as a wine as somebody learning it i wanted to know what's what what does it mean when they say full i mean i read it when it says full-blooded um, full-bodied wine mm-hmm. but i wanted to ask Liz how does that because i wouldn't know if i tasted it how does that taste what is it full-bodied tastes about? it tastes
0: like me edgy generally so a full body.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> You got me at that (gasps) one. I
0: know, I got you, I got your attention. Now that we can talk about it. So a full bodied wine is just that it's um it's intense. It is uh it's bold. It's got big fat personality, it's got big characters characteristics, it's um it's daring. So like seriously, like I said, it reminds me of me truly. Um (laughs) and it's big. It's big. It will sit. You take a sip of it. It sits big on your palate. So generally, I'll give you an example of full-bodied red wines. Is like a Cab Sauv. A Cab, Cabernet Sauvignon is very full. Uh, a Malbec is also considered full-bodied. Uh, there are a couple of blends if they are uh, predominantly Cab Sauv and then with a couple of Shiraz and maybe Merlot or whatever other uh, variety could also still be categorized as a full-bodied. Um, so it's just a big, full-bodied wine. Just remember, it's like me.
1: Yes, I, I, I believe you now. I see it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Well, today, um, thanks, Edgy. We are, we are loving the, uh, the fact that you're <laughs> stepping up to this these days and you don't say, oh, please exclude me. I don't drink. Well, I love that you're now coming in Boulder and we're going to encourage you to keep doing that. Um, today, my wine style yeah. guide is around... Uh, something that happened at the restaurant last night. So I went to the restaurant because there's load shedding. Hmm. You know, you even go to restaurants here, whether you feel like going or not, you're going because you're hungry. Because you're hungry. And when I got to the restaurant, a very high-end restaurant in Hyde Park, I was surprised to see that when I ordered a wine, a glass of the May 4, uh, 2015, the wine came. And they, the wine glass had a mark on it. You know, the you know those, those things happen when you go to a cheap little corner where they're like, let's just mark the things and they mark the glasses. Why would a five-star restaurant mark their glass to know which level to pour it because Liz is asking for wine? Are you serious? Guys, if you're a five-star restaurant or like anything like that, please, could you just let your wine familiar know where to pour the wine i mean he needs to know you have to have a spirit of discernment even if it's one inch higher so what it's your own fault but do you really mark the glasses like we mcdonald's even mcdonald's i don't think they mark their cups but anyway today my wine style guide is please if you're sitting setting up and you've set up a five-star restaurant please even four star even three please even two do not mark your glasses it's annoying just pour the damn wine i mean figure it out anyway that's my wine style guide for today Ooh. yeah i want to move over to the fashion laptop three if that's okay yeah. <laughs> it's the fashion laptop three coming and we're gonna get a fashion laptop three because we are three in the house everybody is pulling out a fashion laptop three we're gonna start with you edgy what's your fashion laptop three for today
1: i think the top three things for me today is just so important like this economic rob- although we call it economic robbery mm-hmm because it's easy to understand the pain of it um but i i feel like the top three for me is acceptance that we have the resources right and a desire another one would be the desire to you're giving us one
0: us. we are three edgy why are you trying to do yeah. three okay give one, us three and we then
1: we <laughs> have the resources two let's sell what edgy we, we
0: needed one from you
1: oh Okay, that's
0: it. Okay, tell us your three, but we are, we are, we are going to do five then. But it's normally called the Fashion
1: Lab nah, Top I told, 3. I told you your one. I told you one, right? Which is
0: what? Resources. Yes.
1: We but have we have the, the resources. Well, I think we have, we have to accept that we have the resources.
0: Okay. Mbali, what's your yeah. Fashion Lab top, th- top 3 today?
2: Mine is... um, Okay, it's also based on edges, except that we have the resources... But use our resources for our own benefit before somebody else does. Boom. Perfect. I love it.
0: I love that. Perfect compliment,
1: I
2: love
0: Ali.
1: it. I love it.
0: <laughs> um, our top three today, I feel so caught up with it between a few things. Um, I think our top three today would be um, a focus on entrepreneurship. For every single thing, whether you sell tomatoes or you sell clothes or you sell, I don't care what it is, but economic empowerment through entrepreneurship. Whatever you do before you get into business, when you open up a business account, they say, listen, we're doing a one-hour masterclass. That's the only way we are going to elevate ourselves and emancipate ourselves from economic slavery. (laughs) No, seriously. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And, and i think i'll stop there because i we say three uh guys for those who are tuned in this is fashion lab and uh we've been talking economic robbery uh we've got different insights on the show um bali has brought in her two cents which is strong and some really good insights edgy thank you for your insights as well um very important but i think that if we don't do anything for ourselves if we don't do this for ourselves no one's gonna do it for us so that's the mentality and that's the attitude we need to have if you want to shakara, shakara, show, show now, show, show now. You can show, show now, but if there's no smile at the bank, stop spending that time showing. Don't be confused with edgy right now. Just remember that, please. Before you start showing, start selling. Then you can start showing. There's more to show when, you ha- when you're when you selling. Um, yes, and for those who are tuned in, we are on Fashion Lab Africa uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, Instagram and Facebook, and we're on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. This has been uh, an interesting topic. When we started, I wasn't sure how we're going to finish, but I just know that we've gone with the flow like dead fish. Sometimes that's what you do. And as we talk, we also open up on different angles of this conversation. Um, We are on info at fashionlabafrica.com if you want to share with us. uh, If you want us to sort of touch on certain topics that we might have not touched on, we're definitely looking forward to hearing from you. But at this point, all I want to do is roll over to our last segment. Who would you want (laughs) to (laughs) dress? Who would you want to
2: dress? Bali, we start with you today. Today, I want to dress myself for this crazy cold winter that hit us in December. So I would just love to dress myself. In some nice warm recyclable coats like Liz, <laughs> talk to me nicely, <laughs> and not this sheepskin that I'm in. Okay. Yeah. So this week I'm dressing myself.
0: Very nice, Edgy Who would you want to dress today, and why? Except me, except me and Buddy please.
1: <laughs> well, and, and you, and I except
0: am. you too, please.
1: No, this 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 week I'm dressing my auntie. For, because she's mm. super special hey, to you me. have
0: some tricks. Tricks are for kids, but okay, keep <laughs> <Yes>. going. <laughs> no, but
1: it's, this particular, because the weather got really cold mm-hmm. and I've been imagining her in this really cool three-quarter coat, three-quarter uh, Balenciaga vintage. So, that's, that's my, that's who I want to dress, mm. my auntie, in a Balenciaga three-quarter vintage coat.
0: Mm. Alright, well, that's all right with us. Today, I want to dress the whole of Africa and the diaspora so I can make money smile to the bank. I'm tired. Can I just get everybody wearing If everybody want me tomorrow, do you guys know how I will take you to all the beautiful beaches of the world? Look at where I'm going. We are supposed to be investing as we're going to the beach. I will take you wherever you want. I will private judge you wherever you want to. If Africa buys, or if every person in this continent, a diaspora, break the record and just wear a lease, you know? I will be so economically empowered. I'll be buying the country, I'll be buying the estates, <laughs> and we're going to revolutionize and we're going to buy or uh, we're going to, what do you call it, expand on our um, sort of um, uh, manufacturing plants and everything, uh, because as you said so, and I'm just going to handle all that. And this is just going to be a fashion revolution. I want to be a part of a revolution. I don't want to just sell clothes. I want to the beach. Yeah. And go to the beach too. I mean, I bag, beg. Bag, bag. Just, just a bit. Just for nice dips in warm beaches. But hey, this is Liz holding it down here at Fashion Lab. And uh, for those of you who are tuned in, uh, it's really been great. Any parting shots from our house today or from our lab?
1: From our lab? Mm-hmm. Parting shots for me. Let's grow capacity in Africa. Let's sell some things out of Africa. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell that to the big boys too. Mbali, what's your parting shot
2: today? I think uh, my parting shots are for the powers that be to prioritize the fashion industry. I mean, it's a big ask. It's a big dream. But the fashion industry is very big. It's very powerful. And it shouldn't be an afterthought. We need to actually prioritize it, especially here in Africa, with all the resources that we have very nice this is a 15 billion dollar
0: industry in the continent right now guys and if we did something about it i agree with you mbali i think for me all i want to say is um you know we are beautiful we are whole we are complete as a nation as a diaspora as africa we lack nothing so i think we need to act on that and act like that
2: and and the people said amen <laughs> 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 guys it
0: is peace and love and big hugs from the studio here and um for everything else we're on fashionlabafrica.com if you cut the show now you've missed it i be you have missed the whole thing now just wait for the podcast <laughs> we are finished Pizo bisou, bisou.